Hello everybody, welcome to the Boxing Science Podcast. Here's another Q&A session. This is from Instagram Live, where people ask me a whole range of questions on training and nutrition, specific to boxing and combat sports. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast yet, please hit the subscribe button and please share it with your friends, training partners, coaches or anyone that would be interested in training, nutrition, all specific to boxing and combat sports. Okay, so how often uh, can you train without injury? So our boxers train 10 times a week. Um, It's not about how often you train, but how you manage your training loads as well. So you need to make sure that you have um, hard days, medium days and lighter days as well. So we make sure that uh, the training is distributed throughout the week. So they'll not do strength training days back to back. Um, They'll not do high intensity conditioning back to back also with the sparring as well. So you just got to make sure that, you know, 10 sessions a week is quite a lot. But making sure that's distributed in terms of intensity and volume throughout the week. In ramp warm-ups, uh, do you have the fighters stretch? If so, at what point? So we do uh, not like static stretches. We do more dynamic and we work around the key areas, movement areas of boxing, which is shoulder mobility, rotational mobility, hip mobility and, and glute strength. Um, we start off on the floor uh, doing stuff like eagles and windmills, uh, glute bridges, doing some banded side clamps as well, activating all the glutes. And then we do some foundational movements, squats, lunges, lateral lunges. And then we look to potentiate um, either with like some jumps, pergos, ice skaters. And then we do some uh, isometrics, doing some punch holds. And we also do banded shadow box. So then they're firing ready to go into their into their uh, pad work uh, before the fight so what's the best training for vo2 max there's lots of different methods that we use to try and increase aerobic capacity we do 30 second maximal sprints we do muscle buffering and we also do um, our central adaptations um, doing the four minutes on two minutes off and the pyramid sets and everything you know if you're wanting to try and improve your fitness Go and check out uh, our runs, either Boxing Science Instagram page or the uh, Red Zone Running uh, pages. Lots of free high-intensity workouts there. A good uh, protocol that we use to train at VO2 Max is the 15 seconds on, 15 seconds off protocol. Uh, we'll do one minute on, 30 seconds off, and then we'll do a series of 15-second intervals. Uh, we'll either do six repetitions or eight and then we uh, rest for two minutes and then we go back onto the uh, 15 second intervals. It's a great way to train as close to your VO2 max as possible. So give that a go. So you do around about four to five sets of that. Love this one. Olympic lifts useful for boxing. They're very useful, but they're quite hard to implement because they take a certain amount of time to um, to learn the technique um boxers have quite a few different mobility issues uh, especially around the hips and the shoulders so this makes uh, olympic lifting hard to load and sometimes might, might be quite dangerous as well so doing something like a snatch is pretty much a no-go i've only ever done the snatch with one boxer uh, that were callum um who ended up having shoulder surgery nothing to do with the, 
the snatch. Uh, but just because we were starting out in strength and conditioning, I was uh, you know, a novice strength and conditioning coach and I was just finding out what we could do with boxers and what, what we couldn't. Um, so yeah, doing anything kind of overhead is quite difficult. We do use uh, cleans if we can and power cleans. Um, but uh, predominantly uh, the main Olympic lifting exercise that we would do is clean pull and mainly from the blocks. So just trying to limit that movement and optimize that power coming from the hips and the hip extension. This will transfer through to the punch. If we do like a power clean, um, the technical aspects of a power clean or, or full clean will limit the amount of load that they can get through them hips to fire up that hip extension. And that's what we're actually wanting to do. Wanting to improve the rate of, uh, rate of force development, increase them hip extension forces to transfer through to the punch. And if we're doing a power clean or a clean and the technique is affecting the amount of load that we can lift, then we're not training that adaptation. It's important to, to note down as strength and conditioning coaches is to train the adaptation and not train the exercise, not just do Olympic lifting just because it looks great. Um, you think that it's a gold standard. We've only got a certain amount of time with these athletes. So, you know, if you've got, let's say, we've got an amateur boxer that you know that you've got years and years with um, to, to help develop, um, I think that, you know, doing the Olympic lifting camp by camp would be beneficial uh, but if you're working with um, you know the boxers that we're working with at the minute who are get preparing for championship fights we need to optimize their strength their speed their explosiveness for each and every fight how often would you recommend to lift weights uh, we do um, strength and conditioning twice a week um, we do mobility four or five times a week uh, and we also do high-intensity conditioning uh, two to three times per week. But in terms of lifting weights, um, heavy strength sessions, I'd only do that twice a week because the priority for boxers is to get fit uh, for boxing and also improve their technical skills and transfer that into sparring as well. If we do too much weights, that can have an effect on the other aspects of, of their training. Fantastic question. Uh, 30 second maximal sprints on a rower or assault bike. Any good for heavyweight or too much resistance? So 30 seconds on a rower, it'd be quite tough. The reason why is because we're needing to get that maximum kind of speed and that intensity. And obviously with a rower, you've got to go to that kind of that full extension in order to create that power. So it's hard to increase that stroke rate. So for rower, it would be quite tough to do, but I don't think it would um, stimulate the adaptations that we require from uh, the 30 second max out sprints. So assault bike, very good. We've been doing this with uh, Fabio Wardley. Um, he's been knocking out some massive numbers like 1800 watts and keeping it above a thousand watts all the way through. Uh, 1200 watts um, after a few sessions so yeah um, assault bike very good but you've just got to make sure that you attack it and you've got to make sure that you're noting down your numbers as well because if you're not assessing uh, you're guessing how would you typically structure a full camp that always depends it always depends on the individual 
and it always uh, depends on the the situation um, and what kind of strength tra- strength training history that they've got. Um, you know how long the camp is. Uh, what are the goals from the last camp? There's loads of different factors that affect that. Um, what I would say from a strength perspective, you would look to like kind of build up some sort of volume. So they call it the general preparation phase. Uh, going to maximum strength and then around from around about six weeks out that's when you start working on your strength speed your more explosive exercises uh, sometimes if they haven't worked max strength uh, for too long in the previous camp i might look to do some sort of complex or contrast training within that mid set so then they're doing so within that mid stage of camp so that this ensures that they're working maximum strength for longer and then they're going to transfer that into the fight in terms of conditioning the um the general thing that we do is um extraction utilization phase which is a 30 second maximal sprint we do delivery phase which is the four minutes on two minutes off and then we go into the taper so we do three to four weeks extraction and utilization 30 second max sprints then we do um around about four to six weeks of delivery phase then we'll do one or two weeks uh conditioning taper how's it been working with terry has been her first camp with you uh looks like she's smashing it she's she's really smashing it um i worked with terry when she was uh, around 18 years old um on the youth training program and we introduced her to like how to squat how to deadlift how to uh, perform uh, foundational movements. Then over the past few years of her being a professional, she's been doing a a bit of strength and conditioning. Uh, So when I was introduced in this camp, she had a lot of good foundational movements, uh, foundational strength. She's naturally uh, quite strong. So for a first camp perspective, you go in thinking that you're going to be just working on the basics, but we've managed to advance her quite quickly. And we've seen some fantastic results, some of her, um, testing results in terms of fitness, the strength, the speed. We've seen 10, 15 and, and some 20% changes in just the first camp. So really good and I'm looking forward to seeing how that all comes together on fight night. Jake Aston uh, asks, uh, suffer from tendinitis in my wrists. Any tips on helping treat or recover? So the main one is making sure that you're, you're wrapping your hands well, um, assessing how how much you're boxing at the moment? Um, are you doing too many hard days on the trot? Uh, this could be uh, the biggest contributor to like an overuse injury. And then doing some sort of like kind of grip tests. Um, we do the uh, the te- like a 10 kilo, 20 kilo plate hold, seeing whether there's a discrepancy between uh, left and right. And then uh, look to try and increase your, your, your grip endurance, your grip strength. Um, there is a very good video on YouTube if you put in uh, hands and wrists boxing science uh, Ian Gap from GB Boxing the physio who also works with Anthony Joshua there's quite a few different exercises that he's introduced and then if you want to know even more on the boxing science membership he has a full 45 minute to 60 minute workshop explaining more about how to handle like uh, hands and wrist injuries in boxing and how best to prevent it and he, I think he shares around about 10 or 12 exercises so yeah
get yourself on there, Boxing Science membership, uh, boxingscience.co.uk. And start off a free trial, seven days, so you can watch that workshop and then you can cancel it. I won't mind, I won't be offended. So we're on the, the old, uh, doing a plug for the Boxing Science membership. Uh, there's loads of different workouts uh, for lockdown on the Boxing Science membership. So if you go on to the Boxing Science membership, there's a section called Lockdown Workouts. And there's a range of different exercise uh, demonstrations, uh, full workouts using minimal equipment. Uh, some just body weight, some with just a kettlebell, some with just mini bands. Uh, so go on there, like I said to the last person. If you want to go on there, nick all the ideas and cancel a membership, I won't be offended. Uh, seven day free trials there for, for people to try out, see whether they like the membership. And then, um, you know, if you want to carry on and, and access all the other content, uh, you can do. But yeah, if you just want to go on, do lockdown workouts, uh, hopefully this will help you over the next four weeks. Is hypertrophy training okay for boxing? It depends on, you know, how much fat mass that you've got, how much muscle mass, how tight you are at the weight, because you don't want to be putting on any uh, muscle mass to make, make it harder for you to to make weight. You've also got to make sure that you are uh, putting that hypertrophy on in the right way, uh, putting on functional uh, hypertrophy. So making sure that you're putting on um, fast switch muscle fibers instead of slow twitch. So there's a range of different methods around that, um, doing stuff like occlusion training, doing cluster sets, um, and also making sure that you're putting it on in the right place. You don't want to be just going right I want to put on some muscle size on my arms because that will slow down your punches we want it around our core so doing like some sort of core circuits strength endurance circuits is the best way to uh, put on muscular hypertrophy around your core but also the um, the legs as well so doing like single leg leg press reverse lunges uh, doing deadlifts and, and doing squats as well but making sure that you're keeping speed in the program to make sure that you're putting on hypertrophy, but we're maintaining that speed. If you want more information about this, there is an article, boxingscience.co.uk, gain muscle and speed, just put that into Google. And also we've just covered this in our recent podcast episode, uh, Science Behind the Heavyweights, where we're talking about putting on size, uh, the best way on how to do that for uh, heavyweight boxers. How often should plyometric exercises be implemented? Um, I use plyometric exercises I'd say four times a week um, but not like a, a full workout on plyometrics just using it as a, as a warm-up tool. Um, if I was going to do a full kind of plyometric session which I'm rarely ever do anyway i won't be doing that four times a week i think uh, for boxers it's important to to use it as a potentiating tool um and also like having that repeated exposure having a good chat with um tommy monday the other day um with our thoughts around plyometrics and talking about like the number of con contacts in a session to get that training adaptation i think a lot for um, a lot for boxers is about being exposed to 
plyometrics quite often to learn how to uh, control force and reproduce force as well and reproduce force quickly. Um, in the strength and conditioning sessions and, condi and conditioning in terms of running conditioning, I have a different uh, kind of plyometric um, focus. I go more short ground contact time on the running conditioning because I'm thinking about the foot contacts during um, high speed running. So I do stuff like pogos, uh, slaloms, uh, single leg slaloms, single leg plyometrics as well. Um, and then on the strength workout, I'm looking for rate of force development through a powerful hip extension and triple extension as well. So that's like squats and, and uh, trap bar deadlifts, uh, kettlebell swings, stuff like that. So with the plyometric exercise there, I'm wanting to prime the athletes for that kind of activity. So that's why you do the longer ground contact time, uh, longer uh, stretch shortening cycle. So we do like counter movement jumps, uh, weighted counter movement jumps, body counter movement jumps, uh, you know, jumping up from the bo uh, boxes. So there's loads of different ways that we, we uh, use plyometrics. Uh, we vary it from, from session to session and we have a, a different goal each time. That brings us to the end of of this episode thanks everybody for listening if you have any questions about the topics raised during this episode please don't hesitate to contact us either on boxing.sci at gmail.com or on instagram at boxing science and don't forget to check out our youtube channel which is boxing science and our online membership boxingscience.co.uk we have a brand new section to our boxing science membership lockdown workouts where we share a range of different exercises and full workouts based on limited equipment or zero equipment. So no matter what access to facilities you have, there's a range of workouts that can help get you fitter, faster and stronger during lockdown. If you're regular to the Boxing Science Podcast and you're liking the content so far, please leave us a review. Hopefully you're going to be leaving a five-star review because this will help us grow our podcast which will in turn help us develop more content for you to share the boxing science training methods and research okay guys thanks for tuning in and i'll see you on the next episode